I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, head out of the Del Real, along with my partner, Senor Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and is the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle, among his many ventures. This is the 240th episode of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk gold, we're going to talk uranium, we're going to talk uh, Patriot Games in the lithium space, and, you know, we're going to touch briefly on some of the chaos going on around the world. Mr. Hodge, we live in interesting times, first and foremost. How are you, sir? Uh, doing pretty good, Gerardo. Um, you know, back um, from a couple of trips, one with you to Beaver Creek, one to Mexico, so settling in for October before we go to uh, New Orleans here at the end of the month, the first week of November. Um, you know, have been accurate on the market calls, though they're not the calls I, I, I want to be making. It, it hasn't been too, too beneficial for uh, the the bottom line, as you say, craziness around the world. But, you know, doing good. Uh, appreciating the family. Like you say, wife still loves me. Kids are kids are good and happy. Uh, and there was one other thing I was going to say. Um, oh, it's duck season. So, you know, that takes me up a couple of notches. Is that time of the year? That's it. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, elephant Come in the on. room. Uh, let, let, let's touch briefly on, look, you could touch on it as much as you want. I am going to touch briefly on the situation in the Middle East. And it, it's going to be brief, honestly, because one, I'm no expert in the Middle Eastern relations. Um, as a human, I'll just say that it's, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking to see, you know, innocent death on all sides. Um, I'll leave the politics and, you know, the choosing sides part, not, not for me to do. Um, but it definitely, and we talked a bit off air, Nick, this definitely has a fourth turning type of, of, of feeling to it. And, you know, the implications obviously for everyone in the region, it can't be overstated, but there's real life implications globally as well. And so I, 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 the very first thing outside of being heartbroken for everybody, you know, that, 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 that is innocent and is having to go through, you know, Oh, really nobody's going to win type of situation. Um, is, 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 is that is, it's, man, this just has a fourth turning type of feel to it. We now have multiple wars going on simultaneously as a country here in the U S we are fiscally in fiscally as in dollars and debt and then budgets, right? We are probably in the most vulnerable position that we've been in maybe since world war II. Um, and it comes at a time where we're fighting since in the last fourth turning. You don't say Gerardo. Imagine that, right? Imagine that. And so that that's the context. Um, heart goes out to everybody in the region, man. It's 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 you know, it's it's tough stuff to see every day. And I've been trying to not, but it's difficult not to because it definitely, definitely um is going to be something that I think everybody is going to have to come to grips with one way or the other. Does it look good? The end game there does not look good at all for, for anybody really. Yeah, that's pretty good context. I mean, this is a conflict that's been going on for um, a long, long time with, you know, different solutions being tried and and, and very polarizing, right? Um, even among the um, some of the people of Israel, even among the, the Jewish community here in the United States. Um, and so, yeah, obviously heartbreaking to, to see those photos and, and war is, is always devastating. And we've been dealing with, you know, war since, you know, uh, 
recently in the, in the COVID era, I guess, you know, since the, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So it, it just seems like one shoe continues to drop after another. And that's, um, you know, uh, par for the course in a fourth turning. And so that's the, the context I wanted to give is that, um, you know, uh, history shows that uh, a fourth turning doesn't culminate in, until there's all out war, you know, there's bloodshed. And so there's a there's an event um, or a threat that a, a country or a community or a generational cohort perceives uh, as great enough that they have to to rise up and, and defeat. Right. And then they, um, you know, uh, have a new turning, a new a new a new generational um high once they once they you know defeat whatever that threat or, or perceived threat is and then and for israel the, this seems like that moment right i mean um and, and i guess i should back up and say that you know people don't typically want war especially those that have fought in it and so it, what happens in these generational turnings is you know there hasn't been all-out fighting you know in, in israel in, in a while right and so the atrocities of, of of total war sort of fade into the collective memory, right? And the people who who fought and and were wounded and and saw the devastation of, of previous wars, they don't want that, right? And so it takes a generation or two for that um, to wear off and for people to say, you know, uh, now now war is a worthwhile thing. Like they forget the atrocities, and so yeah, I, I think that's where we are. I think that. Um, Israel is going to coalesce um, uh, together, and and I think they're going to have a pretty fierce response. And um, you know, we'll, we'll see how how widespread it goes. You know, uh, again, I'm no expert, but you know, you, you're talking about Hezbollah now and, and Lebanon and and, and Iran, and so um, it, interesting times we live in, to be sure. And I guess outside the fourth turning, uh, just the market implications for a bit, because you sort of have to. Um, apply that to, to to some of the things. At least look look through that lens for a second to see how it affects your your your, your portfolio and 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 your thesis really. Um, and 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 the conclusion I came to is that if you're if you're how do I want to say it? Well, I wrote about it in daily profit cycle, so you can go read. It's it's a portfolio for war, but it's if if you've done the research and and you've identified the correct trends and signals, then oftentimes you're you're positioned for for what's going to play out in the world anyway. And so the context I gave was, you know, we went long oil in the, in the end of August and we didn't yeah. go long oil because there was going to be violence in, in the Middle East, right? We went long oil because um, oil was turning bullish and, and ascending. And in some ways, the market is a, is a, a omnipotent, right? It's, a, it's omnipresent. Um, I'll, I'll spare you the, the religious thing that I was going to connect there. But anyway, um, the market knows all, right? And, and, and people know things too, right? And it's like, you know, these attacks that they weren't planned the day before they happened. I mean, this was probably planned for weeks, if not months and, and people in the global market know, right? And so uh, I'm not saying that oil was going up because, you know, just in, just in anticipation of this. But what I am saying is that, um, it helps that, you know, the trend was already identified and then is exacerbated by the uh, events that played out and, and it's sort of the same thing with gold. Um, and I'm, we'll talk about gold out, outside yep. of the context of war, but, um, you know, literally gold bounced off at the bottom end of its range, uh, commensurate with the, the attacks by Hamas and has added, I think, you know, $60 or something since. So, um, if you identified that the trend was bullish and, and you were already positioning gold, you don't need to chase when, when these headlines hit. And again, um, you know, the market sort of sniffs out what the implications are going to be. Well said, well said, let's, um. Let's get to the market. Interesting things going on, as you mentioned. You touched on gold. Gold before all of this seemed like it was headed towards eighteen hundred, and now it sits here at you know eighteen seventy. 
despite a dollar index that again is surging towards the 107 level, a dollar index, I should add, that was on its way back to the 104 level before a very sharp reversal here this last week. Um, interest rates are what interest rates are. What's your take there? Um, gold is in a bullish trend in the medium to long term. In the, in the shorter term, it, it needs to continue to, to hold that 1805 to 1810 level, that the level that bounced off here in the uh, second week of October. Um, the inverse correlation has returned a little bit. So for a yeah. while, the, the the gold wasn't correlating um, inversely with the dollar, but that inverse correlation has returned. That's why I say it needs to hold up, right? Because you just said the dollar was restrengthening, and it is around 106 and 107. Um, and so gold needs to maintain. Um, it was wonderful to see it bounce uh, off yeah. 1809, 1810-ish, right? Because that was what it had to hold or else, you know, risk a 17 or a 16 handle. Um, and that was about the level we saw uh, earlier this spring when 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 gold folks were were, were freaking out as well. And um, you know, <laughs> gold uh, folks. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you know, I've been telling you, you know, gold is is, is by the dip. You, you're you're safe to do that, and it, it, it proved me right once again. In fact, I was telling you that on the on the podcast last week that it was yep. probably you know time time to buy gold. So it, it's not easy to do that, and you know, not that I'm the the bravest trader or, or make the gutsiest calls, but a lot of folks were were pretty scared about gold in, in the past two weeks, and and I maintain that that it was going to bounce, and it did. So, um, you've got lots of other things going on as well. I mean. Um, outside of rates, which the two years at five percent, by the way, and I should say, um, the chance of a, of a Fed rate hike now is down. But you know what's happened is that the market just hiked rates for them. I mean, the market was like, "All right, you're gonna have this dovish talk. Like, you need to hike rates. We're gonna take the two year to five percent." So um, that's where you're at. A outside of the, the the yields and the and the dollar, you've got dysfunction in the government. Um, you've got no speaker in the House. You've got um, they're supposed to have a vote this week. And last night I was watching the news and I don't even think they got around to a vote for Scalise, which means they didn't have enough uh, votes to, to get him to be the spec, the speaker. So you've got government dysfunction and you got a debt that's now rampant. I mean, this is, this thing is now rising out of control, um, by, by literally the day. I mean, you hit 30, 33 trillion, I, I think it was. And so at, yep. at some point deficits matter and, and that's good for gold. Um, uh, what else am I going to say? Uh, I think that's about it. Um, we'll see how it weathers the storm. I think patience is is the last thing I'll say because you're going to get a good GDP number here at the end of this month. Like it's going to show the that the U.S. economy grew. Probably, I was talking last week with you about how you know St. Louis Fed and the and the Atlanta Fed were so disparate on their calls, but it's going to be somewhere in the in the three percent range, I think, um, which is decent growth, higher than we've seen in the past couple of quarters, but. Um, then that's going to slow down in the fourth quarter, the quarter that we're currently in and, and, in, and in Q1. So I'm interested to see how the market reacts to this positive number and, and how forward looking it is. So patience, I guess, is what I would say, because you're going to get some decent economic data this month. Um, but then it's going to it's going to worsen pretty precipitously after, after that. Sounds like a bearish case for copper in the short term. Been telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uranium. Uh, uranium's consolidating beautifully right at the $70 level. I like the equities here. Um, they've had a little bit of a run up, but it's definitely not reflecting a $70 a pound spot price. And I think, you know, we, we, we made some good calls on uranium here in the past several months. We made a great call last year before the surge. Um, and, then, and then the sector consolidated for nearly a year before um, the latest run up. What are your thoughts on uranium right now? Strong. You're consolidating those gains. It ran to 73, um, which was resistance on the chart. Um, continues to consolidate. 
Um, what am I going to say? And companies are taking the, the advantage. I mean, they're raising money. Tennyson raised money, uh, fifty-five million, I think it was. Uranium Royalty raised money, so yeah. they're they're taking advantage of these buoyant prices, which might give you an opportunity to to, to buy in because because both those stocks dipped on the announcement that they were going to issue some equity. Um, things are reinflating. So we got a CPI this week that was at three point seven percent, higher than expectations, and um, for the third month in a row. So you've, you've got a re a reinflation going on and that's primarily driven by uh, the energy complex. And, and we've talked about oil and, uh, I've written about oil in, in the monthly issues, but that also includes, uh, uranium. I mean, uranium is part of the energy complex. And so it's got an inflation tailwind right now, I would say. Um, and then, you know, other than that, uh, again, I'm not going to repeat the fundamentals like I told you last week because yep. we know what those are. But I, I will say that I was writing a hydrogen report this week, and yeah. I seemingly write less reports than I used to. And I always like when I do because I learn something, right, when I spend two hours actually writing about a topic and, and doing some deep research. Research, And so I was diving pretty deep on the hydrogen sector, um, looking at the efficiencies and the different ways you can create hydrogen and the different things it can be applied to. It doesn't make a lot of sense for energy. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense to to to, to burn it for to power a motor, for example. Um, at least probably not in a car, maybe in a, a ship um, or a bus. Um, but it does make sense for um, creating steel, which we currently burn uh, coking coal for. And so, if you can, you know, make green hydrogen uh, to make the steel, you can make a significant dent in um, emissions without, you know wasting a lot of energy as you would if you use hydrogen for other sources. And so um, some forward-looking thinkers, and, and this got me thinking, is you know, well, a great solution to, to climate change, uh, if the carbon is the problem, would be creating hydrogen with nuclear reactors, which I'm pretty sure is, if not a holy grail, pretty darn um, close to, to zero carbon um, on multiple fronts for electricity generation and for steel. And so I, I think that's the direction we're going to head, and, and I and I continue to see more converts. I, I, you know, I, I was joking last week about Bono, but um, <laughs> I continue to see um, more converts in the market, people uh, willing to embrace nuclear uh, as an energy savior. One because of its density, uh, baseload, obviously, right, and, and two because it's clean, and like I say, it can be used to uh, separate that hydrogen right molecule from or atom, I guess it is, from the the, the oxygen. Fascinating stuff. As always, lithium. Well, I, I mentioned Patriot Games and, you know, we haven't got the news that I've been expecting that be an assays and, and an update on Albemarle and how that partnership and that MOU is coming along. So, you know, I have reached out and I'm looking to hopefully be able to speak with either Blair or Ken um, here in the not too distant future publicly uh, to provide an update there. But I have to tell you, you know, I I I I added about a hundred grand worth of Patriot here a, a couple of weeks ago, right around the seven thirty level US, and then it, you know it quickly dropped a buck, you know, off the share price before bouncing. But the 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 chess pieces that are being lined up right now have me as excited as I have been in quite some time as it relates to the potential valuation future valuation here for Patriot. So let's get right into it. Gina Reinhardt, right? Billionaire has now upped her stake in Liontown Resources to 19.9%. It's interesting to note she's been buying in the market at, at, at full valuation, right? The nearly $6 billion valuation that Albemarle 
proposed to Liontown shareholders and that the board re recommended uh, to accept, right? She decided, okay, I'm going to have a seat at the table one way or the other. And the way that she decided to have a seat at the table is by buying at market prices and, 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 and doing so, I don't want to say with reckless abandon, but not really caring too much about the price she's paying right now. She clearly has a plan in mind. So why and how does that make me excited for Patriot? So this is what I see developing. Albemarle and Patriot have an MOU um, to, to, to come together and build a plant, right? Patriot's valuation is ridiculously cheap right now if we believe that Liontown's assets are worth the nearly $6 billion that both Albemarle and Miss Reinhardt um, seem to believe. And so if Albemarle is able to advance the Liontown deal forward and Gina is 19.9% Liontown shareholder and has a significant seat at the table and Albemarle is trying to break into the North American market in a very, very, you know, pronounced way. The writing's on the wall for Patriot, folks. We're going to get our $40, $50 or we're going to take this thing to production with, you know, multiple partners, you know, including an Albemarle coming in and, and, and funding a good portion of that plant. Reason being, one, as I mentioned to readers last week, the energy inputs in the James Bay region are just phenomenal, right? They're world-class. It's cheap. Z I mean, it doesn't get much better than, than what Patriot is sitting on as it relates to that cost input. Two, the Inflation Reduction Act is, is incentivizing companies like the Albemarle's of the world to locate in Quebec, to locate in North America in order to capture some of those tax incentives that are being offered and are significant. Three, hey, Patriot's got eight rigs going. It's going to have 10 rigs going soon. I, again, I know there was a delay at the lab. I believe that's being resolved. We should have results any day. Now I'm expecting those sometime next week or this week when you all get to listen to this. And we're cashed up. We're cashed up to let all of this macro scene play out. Cashed up for the next couple of years. And so, again, as a shareholder, have I hated the price action recently? Absolutely. Somebody in Australia is accumulating. They're starting to do so. Um, again, I don't want to say with reckless abandon, but in pretty, uh, pretty pronounced and intentional fashion, I think that's going to continue. It's going to be really interesting here in the next couple of months to see who that player is. Would not surprise me at all if Miss Reinhardt decided she also wants a seat at the Patriot table. And listen, there's not a lot for sale. The price action has happened for a combination of reasons, but it's happened because of the lack of buyers, right? There hasn't been a ton of volume up until recently. Um, on, on, on the short side, it just hasn't been very many buyers. The lithium sector was consolidating. Uh, a lot of the funds weren't were, were, were stepping up. We have the behind the scenes scenario where, you know, I'm still advocating for a delisting from the TSX as are other um, significant shareholders that have prominent seats at the table. I'm still advocating for a spin out of the non-core assets, which again, continue to be top notch. Um, and, 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 and we'll see what happens, but I, I like the scenario that's unfolding. I think it's hugely bullish um, for Patriot and, and it's bullish for the region. You know, we have another company, my, my, my number two company in James Bay that has rigs turning here in a couple of days on the 16th. I'm excited to see what that company is onto over there. And uh, no, look, it's I think a it's, a, it's a lot of whoops. whites in those pictures. It's a lot. 
a lot, right? And um, I, I, I think it's exciting times. And I say all that to say that, look, I, I, I am hugely overweight lithium exposure. And I've added quite a bit privately here in the last couple of months, not just you know, with the with the patron position that I added to, but through some private deals that both you and I help fund that are going to hit the market here in the next several months that also, again, large portfolios, James Bay. Um, I, I'll leave that one alone for now because when, when, when I, I'll, I'll keep that one quiet. We'll talk about that when the moment comes. But I say all that to say that I've used the discounted price here the last couple of months in the space and the consolidation in the space to get even more overweight to my, in my lithium exposure, I've encouraged paying subscribers to do the same, and I think I think that that that's going to pay off pretty handsomely over the next several months. And uh, couldn't be more excited for the last several months of the year. What's her last name? Is it Reinhardt? Is that right? Reinhardt? Correct. If, what's her background? Is she making her own decisions, or is someone advising her money? She 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 has a company, uh, and I forget that I think it's Hancock. Uh, she she has a company. She made her money with coal, and I, I'm not too. Oh, he's a resource person anyway. Oh yeah 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 definitely okay. yeah, definitely. Hancock he's not prospecting. Like a, a chocolate heiress or perfume heiress. No 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 no. She's definitely a resource. Hancock Prospecting is a privately owned mineral exploration company that was founded by her father, and so right. you know, uh, Ms. Reinhardt is 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 cashed up. Um, she clearly, she clearly has a plan. She clearly has a vision. It's hard for me to believe that she's willing to be, you know, at the table with the Albemarle's of the world and Albemarle has an MOU with Patriot that I think gets consummated in the next couple of months. Um, and, 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 and doesn't look over here and go, holy fuck, this is another green bushes potentially. Uh, I, I want to seat at that table too. And all of that bodes well for Patriot shareholders, all of that bodes well for those of us that have been long-term committed shareholders and that have seen, you know, the the surges and the pullbacks and then the surges and the pullbacks and all of that. What's the chart look like to you, Nick? You're, you're, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know your chart face. I know that's what you're doing. I don't even have time to ask you. <laughs> I know that's you were looking for the gaps and seeing what was going to fail. So I could read it on your face. I saw your brain turn. What, what's it looking like, man? Well, I was going to ask about the shorts because I, I didn't hear you mention them. And, and there was talk of the shorts being, you know, short at $8 um, and, and that potentially being a level where they could cover it. And yeah, you're right. There's a gap in the chart. It's at 826 Canadian. And so I was watching it over the past couple of weeks and it got below nine and then it got to 880 and it got to 870. And I was thinking to myself, oh, shit, this gap is going to close. But it did not. And so. I guess I was just wondering your thoughts on that. Is there, or do we think there's there's still a short position? And um, you know, do we think this tree grows to the sky from here, or do do we think it closes that gap? You know, I think I think gaps get closed, and you know, I was saying that for Bravo for a while, and and then I abandoned it because Bravo was going up so strongly, sort of like Patriot ran to seventeen dollars or whatever. But then, sure enough, Bravo came all the way back down and then closed their gap at. And 290 Canadian, I think it was for Bravo. So what's the current thinking around the short position? I, I think it still exists. I don't know that they didn't start covering when it when it hit that, you know, 840 to 860 level. Because at that point, you got to think, you know, if you do a six month chart, you look back and then you think about when, you know, the naked short position was put on really heavily at roughly $8. Um, you know, that position was down uh, quite substantially for the shorts. 
for a long time. And I look, I don't care how much money you have. I'm, if, if you have $50 million worth to back a short position and, and you're down 50, 60% on that, that's, that's significant for anyone, no matter, no matter how much money's in the bank. Right. And so, you know, at these levels, would it make sense for them to cover? Absolutely. <laughs> would I love a scenario where a, a Gina Reinhardt is buying in the open market while, you know, other significant uh, mining chemical and chemical companies also start dipping back into the market and the shorts are covering? That that, that, that would be great. And, and, and I think, you know, obviously that gets us to new all-time highs. I don't know when it's going to happen. I really don't care at this point when it's going to happen, right? I'm going to sell my couple of thousand shares a month to cover tuition and taxes like I always do. I'm going to keep the rest of that position right where it needs to be because the last thing I want to do is create more taxable events. Um, and, and it's, you know, substantial in this case. So um, no, I, I, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Let me, pre- let, 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 me, let me end with this. The shorts at eight isn't so much a speculation as whether or not Gina is buying Albemarle and Patriot consummating that MOU is my speculation, but it, you know, it's founded on, 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 on public, public information. You could read the, the release on the MOU, the timestamp that was put on it was nine months. If you're going to consummate it in nine months, you probably want to make a decision within, you know, three or four months because you're going to be doing some pretty significant due diligence to make a, a, a decision. And now that we have, you know, all of the action in Quebec and, 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 and production scenarios of, of battery plants that want and need supply by 2026, it makes all the sense in the world for the Quebec government to fast track permitting on something like a Corvette. And it makes all the sense in the world for Blair and Ken and the team to do what the heck they've been doing, being in a hurry to prove how damn big this thing is, because I absolutely believe, you know, this has the potential to be another green bushes. And again, those are rare, everybody. This is a one once once in a generation discovery that doesn't come along all the time. The end game for these types of discoveries, and, and mind you, we still don't know the scale, um, is is the end game is always the same. It, it either goes into production and becomes a legacy stock that spits out cash for a long, long time, or it gets taken out at a significant premium. And look, everybody that's been paying attention knows there's not just one potential suitor. There's many potential suitors. And this thing's, I think, by the time it's said and done big enough to where you could have multiple partners, right? You could have multiple uh, suitors at the table because it's 50 kilometers of perspective trend with, you know, lithium spodumene bearing pegmatites um, outcropping at service with good grades. So excited for the drill, but can't wait to start seeing what they're finding at CV9. Can't wait to see the extension on the current trend that's being defined. And as I mentioned last week, the company's telling you in its press releases, they believe the whole thing is one big blob. And if that's the case, uh, yesterday's price is that going to be tomorrow's price folks so uh, that's that's the patriot update i love the macro games that are being played around it. it's going to be really really fun for me to see who actually is doing what once people start disclosing positions here in the next couple of months we love a good consummation love a good consummation what um what are you watching the market this week nick Oh, what am I watching in the market this week? I just wrote my monthly letter. We spent a lot of time on the things that we've already talked about, the the dollar and yeah. um, rates and gold. Um, I guess volatility is, is getting very interesting. So let me choose that as my answer. We haven't yet had a volatility breakout. I know we've had a bit of softness in the S&P. 
Um, I know that the NASDAQ is starting to get a little bit soft, but we really haven't had a, a spike in volatility. And the, and the chart is starting to say that um, that is potentially coming and um, could go up in a hurry, given the events around the world, given, this, given the stuff we've already talked about, the, the debt, um, uh, the slowing of the economy, etc. And so um, I would expect some volatility to, to increase here over the, the next week. And so it's worth saying again, volatility rising is what allows for wider price swings, right? So that's how you would get some more significant, I would say, downside in in, in the broader um, equities. And 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 now I'm just going to ramble for a second. Sorry, because I, I wrote four thousand words this morning, so now I'm recalling everything <laughs> I wrote. Um, you know, the S and P is is up for the year, um, some thirteen percent or something, but. And we've talked about the, the seven stocks that, yep. that drive that up, right? The so-called Magnificent Seven now. If you take out, and you can do this on you know a chart service, um, it, it, or put it equally weighted S&P as opposed to a weighted S&P, it, it's flat for the year. It has not gone up. Um, of course, that's not real because the S&P is up 13.5%, but it's interesting that it's been all driven by those seven stocks. It's also interesting that if you look at the Dow, like it was negative for the year last week. Same with the Russell 2000. So uh, all, is, all, is not, all is not well- um, I would say, and um, it's you know it's sort of like a sinkhole, right? The lots of things going on underneath the surface that that you don't necessarily see until uh, the implosion happens. There's um, definitely a lot to watch for. We we it's funny in September, not funny, I guess. Um, September we called, you know, or, or said that there always seems to be, you know, a black swan event that comes out of nowhere in October, right? Historically, I think we talked about it last week or the week before, and we definitely have been talking about it to subscribers, but just, you know, to be vigilant and to be cautious, um, both personally and financially. And, and, and look, we've had no shortage of volatility in October as it relates to the global geopolitical situation that hasn't been yet reflected in the market. And, and I'll continue to state that, you know, the, the dislocations that are happening in the bond market, Absolutely, I'm not translated to the type of volatility that you would see in the volatility index um, when you have those types of dislocations happening. Something has to break. Uh, no crystal ball. Not sure what that something is going to be, but definitely a good time personally and financially to be vigilant out there, folks. Well, you know, now I'm recalling all the things. I mean, you're <laughs> going to get some bank earnings, right? And you'll recall that, or maybe you won't because it's been such a year um, that we had a banking crisis in the spring, you might recall, that was larger than the banking crisis of like 2007, 2008 in terms of um, capital or market cap that that went away. Um, the rates are higher now than they were then, um, and the banks still have the same problems. So it's going to be interesting to see these banks re report earnings and, and how these uh, higher interest rates uh, continue to affect their balance sheet. Certainly something to look for because um, the high interest rates have already taken down the uh, interest rate sensitive sectors, right? If you look at the, the three worst sectors for the year in the S and P are, are REITs, yeah. um, utilities, and consumer staples, and and they're three largely you know rate dependent things. REITs because you know higher rates of mortgages aren't good. Uh, utilities because you know they take out so much debt to fund their operations that higher interest rates aren't good. And staples because um, you know higher interest rates are eating away at the the consumer's ability to to stretch their budget, and so. Um, they're not able to buy as much you know, Cheerios or Apple Jacks or whatever your cereal is. And 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 last thing I'll say, because now I'm just throwing random stuff at you, is um, <laughs> if it's only the reasoning that executives come up with, right? Like um, Walmart was saying, um, I think it was last week, that 
Um, food sales are down uh, because of Ozempic, because of these diet drugs, right? Um, they're saying people are buying less food that, that are on these these diet drugs. And then Cheez-It came out and said the same thing. And then Pringles said the same thing too. And it's like, are you sure it's just not the consumer not able to afford as many potato chips? Is like, is it, is it really, the, is it really, is, is it really the, the diabetes drugs that are eating into it? And it's like, you know, it's like Occam's razor, right? I mean, the, the simplest explanation is, is probably the truest. And um, for me, it would be the, the consumer's inability uh, to stretch their budget to cover the, the increasing cost of food. Yeah. And, you know, the increasing cost of everything, right? I just, <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave that there. I'm supposed to remind everybody to subscribe to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to get all of Mr. Hodge's intellect and wit, my ranting and raving, along with the thoughts and opinions of our many talented editors over at Daily Profit Cycle. Nick, I think it's going to be an interesting week. We live in interesting times. I, I encourage all of you, as I always do, to, to be safe out there, to look out for each other, to you know find ways that we can agree more than we can disagree. Um, and when we disagree, to try to do it as civilly as possible so that you know maybe one person at a time we can start making this place on earth that we live on a better one for everyone involved. Um, any, any, any party words, Mr. Hodge? Well, you're going to see that community becomes more important than government as this turning turns. And so what you said. Like it. I like it. That's it, folks. This was our 240th. Man, 240 episodes, Nick. All this started over a couple of beers. But this is the 240th episode of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. Be kind to each other out there, y'all, and stay safe. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.